Hello, everyone, and welcome to Best Thoughts. I'm Will Johns. And I'm Rick Johns. And welcome to our seventh episode in our Summertime Fitness series. And today we are talking about family fitness. How do you get your whole family to be a little more fit? And how do you run more smoothly as a family? And I'm sure, Will, you have all the answers for us today. I can't wait to hear them. Well, Rick, I certainly don't have all the answers. I don't think either of us uh, do when it comes to family. In fact, this is probably one of the toughest topics that that we're going to be tackling in this series. Mm. But it did remind me about the fact that, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, Rick, but when you watch some kind of action movie, they show the villain doing something terrible for like the first three quarters of the movie. Yeah. They, they start off bad and they get worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So that when the hero finally vanquishes them, yes, you just feel so excited. You're it's like, a triumph. Yes. <laughs> it's a what? It's a triumph. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. got like, rid of it this. It feels great. Yes. But just imagine the, the closing scene of the movie without all of that prequel... <laughs> and and how you know that the hero would look like the villain in that scenario so the movie is just the hero killing some innocent person right yeah i don't think that would be a very great movie so you're right yeah you kind of need that whole tension and you got to see all the terrible ruthless things this evil person or organization has done anyway that's uh, i know it sounds like a tangent but hopefully we can we can tie that in a little later but I, w- I thought we could start off, Rick, by talking about the challenges of family. Mm. There are many logistical challenges that come, just simple things that we don't think about on a regular basis that make family difficult. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I just think raising a family and being a part of a family today is such a crazy experience. It's so different than past generations. It's almost like any book that was written maybe 20 years before uh, might be completely irrelevant just based on all the ways that society has changed and technology has changed family. And I guess we should say, Will, right here at the beginning that you don't have to be part of a traditional husband, wife, couple kids, family to apply some of the principles that we're going to talk about today. You can apply them with work. You can apply them if you have roommates, if you're single, or maybe your family, you're adult, but your family all lives close to you and there's different dynamics relating to your siblings and parents and things. Uh, We're going to try to talk about some things that could be applied, though most of what we're talking about is kind of focused and geared towards that nuclear family of a mother, father, and some kids. Yeah, and, and, and we're basically speaking to that because that's what we're living in ourselves. So we're speaking from our own um, limited experience. But yes, I think our listeners, Rick, will be able to pull principles from today's episode, no matter what their current situation is. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's go back to this logistics piece because it's a very key component and it's why it's different today than it was a hundred years ago a yeah. uh, hundred years ago the logistics were much simpler sure uh the schedules were not as busy and most people were living on a farm or you know in some kind of rural setting where life was much slower yeah and things revolved around that type of schedule but yeah. in today's world and today's schedules 
everybody's going 100 miles an hour. And so something as simple as having one meal together per day yeah. as a family can be very challenging. Oh, yeah. And I can just think yesterday at my house, my wife had to get up early to go to work. She got up before I even was willing to get up. So she leaves while I'm asleep. When the evening comes, I have meetings. So I go off to my meetings. I don't see her. I go and get done with my meetings, get home around 9.30 p.m. And that's the first time I see my wife all day because of our schedules. Yeah. And, and in the past, I think, you know, if you're on a farm, you're all on at least the same 100 acres. <laughs> you're probably not hopping in a car going anywhere very often. Whereas today, it's almost like we live in separate worlds because we're all zooming off the kids to school, each of us to our own jobs. And we're not even home a lot of the time. Yeah, that is what makes these logistics so challenging. And so things like eating a meal together, having a family worship, even scheduling vacations yeah. can be extremely difficult. Uh, and I know, you know, for my family this summer, we're already running into uh, my two oldest children have jobs yep. and we're trying to you know, schedule our vacations and work with the jobs that they have. And, and already one trip that we were hoping to take, looks like my son may not be able to go because he's just starting a new job that he yep. wants to make sure he can keep. So, right, right. you know, I don't blame him, but uh, that's, that's the kind of logistical challenges that we have. And I think what happens, Rick, when it's logistically challenging to get together in person, and be together as a family, it can lead us to a kind of isolation. We yes. can be in the same house, but we're all doing our own thing. Yeah, very separate. I think that's also a product of technology. We're in our own worlds on our phone. We have our own group of friends and everybody is just kind of isolated from each other. I think way more than we actually realize. In fact, when we were preparing for this episode, we'll it really started to occur to me how much we all do our own thing, have our own lives, our own friends, go off to our own places. And we are way more isolated today, probably more than ever, even within our own families. And, and I think we should point out at, the, at this moment that this is probably more so here in the United States of America, because the culture of this country is very independent and very much about the individual doing what they want. Yeah. There are other cultures that are much more um, community-oriented. Sure. And they they have more of a communal approach to life than, than we do yeah. here in the United States. But then exactly what you said, Rick, the technology isolates us further. You know, I, I have the image in my head, and this has happened in my family, we might all even be in the same room but we're all on our devices doing something different. Yeah. <laughs> Even when you're together, you're not together. And and so one of the ways we've had to solve that, our family system, is that at mealtime, we say it's a it's a no-device mm -hmm. zone. You know, leave your phone. Yeah. I put my phone in the bedroom and come out for supper. Yeah. And it's not long. Usually takes about 15 minutes for everyone to eat. And then everyone kind of rushes back off to whatever they were doing. Yeah. But it's something and it's very meaningful 
just to have that together time. Absolutely. And I think those are things you have to be intentional about. They are not easy. Trying to create space that's not interrupted, that's not distracted. Yeah. And, and so these are the challenges that I think everyone is facing when it comes to family. And I think right off the bat, I'm going to say that what you can do is personally decide I'm not going to live in isolation. So, you know, I might be tired. I might want just nothing more than some alone time. But if I see that, that one of my children are out in the living room, I'm going to go sit next to them on the couch, even if they're on their phone doing their own thing. At least we could be in the same room together. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe um, we could just watch a TV show together. Uh, and, and today, with so many options for television viewing, you even have, you know, every member of the family watching their own show that's yeah. different. Yeah. So we can't even agree on, on a single television right. <laughs> show together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very true. And so that takes intentionality. But if we decide, you know, I want to be the person in the family that's helping to facilitate togetherness, we can help improve this dynamic. And it has to be intentional. I mean, you're up. It's an uphill battle. You're going against the current a bit, and that just makes it all the more reason that it's not going to happen unless you intentionally say, "All right, guys, supper. You know, we all have to be there. It's going to be at six thirty or whatever, or a family worship, or some. We're going to have a family fun night once a week. You know, where you can't schedule anything. It's just us." Whatever it is, you have to be intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that, Rick. And I think the the final challenge of family that we, we need to touch on is the way that anxiety moves around the system. Yeah. Uh, in a family, when there's tension between any two people in the family, the rest of the family feels that tension and has to react to it in some way or respond to it in some way. And so when we feel tension in the family, it may motivate us even more to pull back into isolation. Yeah. Oh, that's awkward. Oh, that feels uncomfortable. Yeah. I think I'm just going to hide out in my little corner to avoid the tension. Yeah. And we talked about this in previous podcasts on family systems and Murray Bowen's whole thing. And anxiety is always there and it's being transferred. So anytime you have a family or any kind of small group uh, or any kind of organization, period, anxiety is being transferred. Nobody wants it. So whenever they feel it, they're trying to give it to somebody else. And even just being aware of that dynamic can help you understand why there's so many fights in your family or why there's so many arguments, why there's a continual battle over this or over that. And the anxiety may not actually have anything to do with the issue you're fighting about. It's just in the system and we're transferring it. So we need to be aware of that. And what we want to do to make the family fit is to try to remove the anxiety, not to amplify it, not to bring our own anxiety and amplify the family's anxiety. Yes, we're, we're trying to be the end of the line for the anxiety where instead of amplifying it, we de-escalate it. Yes. And that, that kind of brings us back to what I was talking about at the beginning. I think I found the tie-in, and I'm excited about that. 
going back to this, these movies that have the villain, the villain does, you know, this series of bad things. And this justifies in our minds why the hero should punish the villain. Yeah. And sadly, that same dynamic takes place in families. Yes. Where a child acts in a series of negative ways and the rest of the family decides that this person deserves to be mm -hmm. punished. Yeah, this is the villain. They become the villain in our thinking and that immediately justifies punishment in our own minds. Yeah, and according to Murray Bowen, families like to pick a black sheep. They like to pick a villain. There's something in our nature that if we can all agree on who the bad person is, then they can receive all the anxiety and the rest of us can feel good. And it, it almost becomes a subconscious teaming up on someone. And so I think it's really good for us to put that out there. If you see in your own family, oh yeah, there is one person that we kind of all agree has got some issues. It's very easy for us to pile on and to add our anxiety and that's not healthy at all. You can tell that you've put someone in this, put this label on someone's head when they do something and you say, oh, of course they did that. Yeah. They're always <laughs> doing the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, of course, there they go again. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. That's when you know that you've labeled them this way. And it's a, it's a dangerous label to put on somebody's forehead because you are now writing yourself a blank check to say, I can mistreat them yeah. because they deserve it. They deserve it. Yeah. They deserve all these harsh words, all the fights, all the arguments. They are the bad person. And because they're bad, you have a right to be mad. Everybody has a right to be mad. They keep doing bad. And just think about if you're a child and you receive these messages from your entire family. I'm the bad person. Well, well, Will, what do you think that child's going to do? Yeah, of course. I mean, they have no other alternative. They're just going to act that out. Yep. And, and they're so, going to believe you. They're yep. going to believe I am a bad person. Everybody tells me, so that's who I am. It's self-fulfilling. They hear the message and then they do the behavior you don't want them to because you're basically telling them that that's the kind of person they are and they're always going to be doing it. Yeah. And so there, there's a way out of this. I mean, this is, this is some heavy stuff. Yeah. And if you recognize this dynamic in your family, you're not alone. Be self-compassionate. Don't beat yourself up. Take a deep breath, step back, and here's the change. Recognize that whoever the black sheep is, you're, they're on your team. Mm. They, you're on the same side as them. You're you want them to win. You want them to succeed. You want them to excel. You want them to do well in life. Put yourself mentally on their side and yeah. say, how do I help them move in a positive direction rather than they deserve to be punished and so I'm going to punish them? Yeah, I think that's a huge parenting tip because it's so easy to go to war with your kids to fight, to have the knockdown drag out. And I've told you once and I've told you a hundred times and why won't you listen, et cetera, et cetera. But if you go to war, then they're the enemy. 
And we're supposed to care about our kids. At last I checked. <laughs> yes. I know we have our moments, but for sure, I think every parent actually wants their kid to do better than they've done, to have an awesome life and to be successful. So we have to be careful what messages we're, re we're sending in our anxiety and in our anger. We can really label someone and have them kind of take on an identity of being bad. Even in subtle ways, we do it to people. So the first step is, like you said, to be aware, step back, say, okay, we've got to retool. And then the second step is to remind ourselves, I'm on the side of this person. This person may drive me crazy. They may have some bad behaviors, but we're on the same team. So this is a team failure. How can we do better as a team? It's not about one person being the problem. If you if you want a healthy family, you got to start thinking team, and we're all on the same side. Yeah, and the other the other thing that that happens along these lines with the concept of the black sheep of the family, or what Bowen labels the identified patient. That's an yes. interesting term that he uses. Is that when that person makes a mistake? Let's say they just spill something. Everyone just, you know, kind of blows up with like yeah. a huge reaction. But let's say, you know, another child in the family that generally is doing great does the same behavior. They accidentally spill something. Everyone just takes it in stride. Oh, yeah. oh, whoops. Well, here, let me help you clean that up. Yeah. No big deal. So why is it a big deal when one person does it? Right. And not when the other person does it. And guess who notices? The kid who always gets yelled at. Yes. They're very aware that they get yelled at when they do certain things, but when their sibling does certain things, it's, oh, honey, it's okay. It's just a mistake. You know, we'll, we'll fix this. So it's, kids are very sensitive to any kind of, <laughs> any kind of injustice, any kind of inequality in the home. And, and they see it everywhere. If, if you think there's some of that in your home, but you're not sure, and your kids are old enough, maybe ask them. Yeah. I bet you they'll yeah. tell you. And they'll tell you exactly how they perceive it. And I think their perceptions will be, you know, pretty much based on the truth. I, and I think it's simpler than that, Rick, is just ask yourself at this moment, who is the person that's most difficult in the family? Yeah. Just that simple question. Yeah. And and maybe, you know, in your family of origin, maybe it was you. Maybe you were the one always getting yelled at. This might be insightful, you know, to into your own childhood of what you had to deal with. But just recognize that that no one does this intentionally. Right. This is all subconscious. And yep. it's it's somehow the way that systems function when they function in an unhealthy way. Right. And we live in this sinful, broken world, and so don't be surprised that you grew up in an unhealthy family of some in some form and that you're maybe passing this on in your current family. <laughs> That's the challenge, Rick, that we're all in. But instead of beating ourselves up or getting discouraged or depressed, here's the beauty is once we see it, yeah, we can do something about it. And it's difficult, but I think one of the starting points at least for me, you know, if I feel that anger inside, if I feel like I have this desire to, to punish instead of uh, correct in, a, in an appropriate way, mm. um, I need to just breathe deeply, yeah. relax, and, and let, that, let that feeling go. Mm. Just let that go. 
Yeah. And then I'll see clearly what needs to be done next. Absolutely. And I remember, Will, hearing a study that was done that showed that parents who were older, which is a trend we're seeing more and more of, parents who had kids in their late 30s, early 40s, they tended to be more relaxed, more patient. They, they tended to report having more enjoyment in the home and just appreciating what they had. And I think part of that is as you get older, you just learn all this stuff you used to really worry about isn't so important. There's more important things. Yes. Um, but I think that's a big lesson for us as families, because we can get really uptight about certain things. And maybe if we step back, like you said, take some deep breaths, let the anxiety kind of pass through, let go of some of these expectations, like what would happen if my kid didn't have to be exactly like I want them to be? What if I was more accepting of who they probably really are? And I got news for you, the universe, God, whoever has a little bit of a sense of humor, they will give you a kid who will definitely push you and make you more patient or lead you to suicide. I mean, one or the other. <laughs> There's a way that that just naturally happens. You get someone that you go, how in the world is this my child? Well, and Rick, we're talking next week about spiritual fitness, and I, I can't think of a better practice for spiritual growth than dealing with this exact issue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when, we, when we take head on and recognize, you know, and, and it starts with owning my part of it. Yes. I have to look at the situation and say, all right, how am I conducting myself? Maybe I'm the one that's the real problem. Yeah. And, and so one of my suggestions, and this sounds funny, but it, it works, is to put yourself in timeout if needed. <laughs> you know, timeouts, it's a big thing for, for us as parents. But there's times when I have to say, all right, I'm going in timeout. I'm not in a good space right now. I'm not, I'm going to just make it worse. I'm not going to make it better. Yeah. I need to go to my room, you know, calm down Yeah. and come out when I'm in a better frame of mind. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I remember one of our favorite uh, spiritual authors, Dallas Willard said, there's nothing you can do with anger that you can't do better without it. Mm. And, uh, I've always wrestled with that and you can debate that in the spiritual realm, but at least in parenting, I think there's some very good truth to that that usually with anger, just nothing good comes of that. And you can end up saying or doing something you really regret. In fact, that can kind of become a spiral too, is you do something you regret and the kid kind of calls you on it and then you're more mad, but part of your anger is now at yourself because yes. they've, they've turned you into a monster, which you don't want to be, but now you're the monster. So now you're more mad at them and it becomes a really vicious problem. <laughs> well, and then you say to yourself in your own head, you're like, but you made me do this. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have lost my temper if you hadn't done the first thing. Exactly. Yeah. But, but that's not a true statement because, <laughs> you know, if we're in a good space spiritually, then we should be able to control ourselves even yeah. when the child does something irritating. You know, yes. and that that means though, Rick, to stay out of that that cycle, we need to practice self compassion, yeah, self forgiveness for sure. Okay, I messed up. That doesn't mean I'm a horrible person. And I, I love this concept: give grace to both yourself and your child yeah. for being in that situation. Yeah, 
It is what it is. Be gracious to both parties, you and them. Grace makes it all work. It's this judgment yeah. that makes it not work. And I think, Will, for me, one of the big parenting lessons I've had to learn is probably the better resolution can come tomorrow. Mm. If it's something big, I'm usually too upset and too frustrated or even overwhelmed if it's something I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be a huge problem. And, you know, again, from our emotional fitness, our monkey mind goes down all the paths of my kid is going to grow up to be, you know, in jail and, you know, my kid's going down the wrong path and I need to, you know, correct everything or lock them down or ground them for life or whatever. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, as a parent, you get some news that just really gets to you and really triggers you. And for me, I've always found if I can sleep on it, I do so much better the next day actually dealing with it. But that's hard because when you get that anxiety, when that anxiety first hits you, you just want to get it done right then and there. You want to have it out. You want to ground them and tell them and fix it. But that's not realistic and it doesn't really help. And a lot of times I found I would say things that I later regretted and didn't really make sense. And I needed that time to really process what they had done and think about how do I incorporate some grace? I did stuff as a teenager and I turned out okay. So maybe, maybe they're going to turn out okay too. Just, you know, novel thought. And, and it helps me, Rick, um, to ground myself spiritually. And I think the other piece to this is that it comes back to boundaries Mm. and just how important those are for the effective maintenance of a healthy, fit family. And, and we did you know, a whole section back in our uh, relationship season on boundaries. Mm-hmm. There's some great books out there on boundaries, but if we set boundaries, you know, it doesn't mean you don't discipline your children. Of course you have to. You have to set boundaries. There needs to be consequences yeah. when they cross those boundaries but we can enforce the consequences with with a graceful heart yeah and not with a heart that's full of anger and rage absolutely and the boundaries keep you from getting to that place where you're just so frustrated with this person and it may even be your own spouse you know there's times where we're just not in the same page with our spouse and they're you know we're arguing with them all the time and that's not good for the family It's not good for the kids or anyone. So the boundary is just saying, I need to find a way to self-care, to meet my needs. You know, I need to find some uh, healthy ways that I can still take some time alone or whatever. So I'm in a good place and I can help be that balm in the family to be that source of peace, that non-anxious presence that really brings my family together and helps us be healthy. And that comes from being spiritually fit. So this week and what we're going to talk about next week really go hand in hand. Yeah. And, and the other thing I'm going to say that fits this topic of boundaries is that a family is like an organization. It's like managing a very small company. There's all these moving parts and it requires planning, budgets, discussions, yeah. decisions about this and that. It, there's a lot of organizational pieces that have to happen. Yep. And when we attempt that, we could fall into you know, a couple of ditches. One is we can 
We can overdo the planning where it feels rigid and suffocating. Yeah. Or we cannot plan at all and things are just, everything's flying by the seat of it, of our pants, but it's all, it's all chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, Will, one of the things we did in our family this year, because we, we had a new driver in the family, our son Jake is driving for the first time. And we just realized the kids have so much stuff. They're both in high school, so many things going on. We kept running into this problem of somebody said, oh, I have this event. And we said, no, we're all going over here. And no, we're, we're have this. So we have to go over here. And then sometimes it's all four of us have to be at different places at once. And it was just too much. And so we had to be very intentional about communicating. And we set up a family calendar that we can all put stuff on and show where we're going to be so that we can then kind of navigate any kind of group family event find out when we all have time. And then the kids feel a lot better because they felt really upset if they thought they were going to hang out with their friends and we had planned something as their parents and hadn't let them know. I think that's a brilliant solution to some of these logistical, organizational issues that, that come up with family. But I think we plan the best that we can and then we need to have the flexibility to kind of go with the flow. And I think that's especially true, Rick, for vacation. Yeah. I enjoy vacations the best when I have worked really hard with my wife and bringing the, the children in as well. We share power as we plan it. Mm. So it's not just my vacation, my plan. Mm -hmm. uh, when I've done it that way, then everyone's mad at me when something goes wrong. Yes. <laughs> But, but when we share power and we jointly decide this is what we're going to do, then, then we're all in it together. Yeah. And so if something goes wrong, we just roll with it. And once the planning's done and we're in the vacation, we're on the vacation, then I enjoy it the most when I just let go. Yeah, for just sure. Just let it be what it's going to be. Okay, we're sitting in traffic. That's okay. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not going to die because of that. And, <laughs> you know, oh, they didn't, you know, the restaurant we wanted to go to is closed or yeah. we can't find it. So we have to eat at this other place. That's okay. It's all okay. Yeah. It's all fine. You're on vacation. Just yeah. enjoy. Just relax. <laughs> and your family will play off of you. Yes. Never underestimate your role, whatever your role is in your family. You can raise the level you can bring a little more peace. You can make a joke when things get tense. You can help everybody, re you know, remember, hey, let's just go with the flow. I guess that didn't work, but let's go to plan B or let's go to plan C or a Z or whatever <laughs> plan you have to go to. Uh, we've all been on vacation and had some things go wrong. That's, and I don't know why we, we never think about that when we're planning the vacation, but it's probably going to happen. A flight gets delayed. Uh, we just went somewhere and the rental car got a flat tire. So there went two hours out of our day that we were totally planning to do something else. So all kinds of things can happen. But the point is we're together. Let's enjoy this and not get caught up in having everything. You know, everything doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, Will, I think if we summarize today's talk on family fitness, we could just say, you know what? Not every family has to be perfect. That's okay. Yes. And really acceptance it's not a word we've said a lot of, but everything we're talking about kind yeah. of comes back to that. Accepting everybody the way they are. Yeah. Start with that. Then from there, you know, you can confront situations or, or issues as needed. 
Yeah. You can set boundaries. You can come up with plans to make it better. But start with 100% full acceptance yeah. that everybody's just who they are. They're who God created them to be. And we don't need to change them into this perfect um, child that makes me happy with every decision they make. That's exactly. just not reality. <laughs> you confront the bad behaviors in your family, but you don't have any bad people. That's right. It's That's bad right. behaviors. You can confront, you can discipline, you can put up boundaries, but you love the people because one day you're going to look back and every older person I know, every older person, when you talk to them, say, only regret I have is I didn't spend more time with my family. Yes. That's, that's what well, they always say that. Like, I mean, I don't know if I'm wrong, Will, but that's what I hear every time. Well, and when you're, when you think about it this way, you are making the movie about your family. And when you're making that, remember there are no villains in this story. There you go. There are no villains. Everyone's the hero. Everyone is who you're cheering for. You want everyone to win. And yes, when you, when you look back on it all, I don't think anyone's going to say, well, I wish I'd, I'd crammed a few more hours in at work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish I'd spent a little more time alone in my room watching television or surfing the internet. More. I wish I'd spent more time on Facebook, Instagram. I wish I'd yep. spent more time fighting with my spouse and yelling at my kids. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody wants that. No. <laughs> and so you know what you do want. And so the, the trick is to start with yourself. Yep. That's all you can control. You can't control your kids. You can't control your spouse. Start with you. You'd be amazed how much can change when your own heart gets into a healthy place. And that's what we're talking about next week, Rick, with spirituality, spiritual fitness. How do we, by connecting with God, get our own heart into a good place? Well said, Will. And I know all of us want a healthy, happy, fit family. And we've given you some things to think about. And I just encourage all of our listeners to think of one small step. What is one thing I can do now that I've been brought to some more awareness about my own family dynamics? How can I go into that family with more peace, with more love, with more grace? How can I be a presence to bring the family health up? So I challenge you to do that this week. And next week, we'll give you some more tips when we talk about spiritual fitness. So don't miss our next episode. But for now, you have been listening to Best Thoughts with Dr. Rick Johns and Dr. Will Johns. We look forward to being with you again next week. <laughs>